All right, everybody, welcome to the March episode of the Youth Pastors Roundtable Call. We are so excited uh, to get going. Uh, we are uh, at 12 o'clock right now. We're going to go ahead and get started, and I know there's people coming and joining us, so as you come, just feel free to uh, participate. And those of you guys listening on to the podcast, thank you so much for joining us as well. Uh, but we want to just kind of hang out and talk about youth ministry, leadership, and uh, what's going on um, in youth ministry around the nation right now. So we're going to go ahead and just get started. A couple of announcements for you guys. We are accepting Victory School Leadership. We are accepting applications for the August start. If you have students, juniors, and seniors that are interested in uh, discipleship, college, education, please send them to our website, which is joinvsl.com. That's joinvsl.com. They can fill out the application there, and uh, we can get them some more information. Also, next month, we have uh, April 27th. We're going to be getting back together with Nate Yeski. Nate Yeski travels uh, the nation and internationally speaking to youth and young adults, as well as life coaching for emerging leaders and entertainers. He's a great dynamic speaker. Uh, his desire is to help people to find the key that unlocks their full potential. And uh, he will be speaking to us next month about lifetime growth. How do you continue to grow over a lifetime? Uh, so also a couple offers for you guys that we want to continue to make you guys aware of. Uh, the guys over at Church Hustle continue to offer their half-price discount. It's usually $50 a month, but with a discount code of YPRT, you can get $25 a month. So that's half off. It's a great deal. Also, Kevin Moore is still offering uh, 50% off discount of his Youth Ministry University by using the code GROUP at growmoreymu.com. That is the code group at growmoreymu.com. You'll save $25 off of his month, uh, sorry, 12-month-long training videos there. Uh, and then also, if you're looking for a missions trip, we talked last month about the City Center here in Oklahoma City uh, is offering 20% off of their missions trip. If you guys use the code YPRT as well, you can um, get uh, all kinds of information there on our website, which is YPRoundtable.com. That's YPRoundtable.com. You can get all the discounts and more information about this call and other calls as well. And uh, make sure to check us out on the podcast as well. This month, we're going to be talking with uh, a friend of mine, Chris Estrada. We're so excited to have him with us. He is the director of the youth major at Christ for the Nations. Uh, he's also the director of Youth for the Nations uh, summer camp down there in Dallas, Texas area. He also is a mentor to youth pastors through his uh, coaching network called The Circle. It's a 12-month leadership and character intensive for pastors and leaders across the nation. I'm sure he'll talk to us a little bit more about that uh, and give us information on how to join that. But uh, Chris is going to be talking to us today, uh, teaching that, man, really has radically transformed me, my, myself and my team here. It's one of those uh, teachings I listen to often because it just is so rich and, con and content heavy that uh, I just go back to it often, and, and it's really challenging. Uh, he's talking to, talking to us about the language of a mentor, and it's really talking about how to have difficult 
conversations with people. Um, Chris, I know you're not going to be able to give us all of the content today, uh, so I'd love for you to just kind of share about uh, your resources and how they can get uh, the, the full teaching and, and the full package of training videos that you, you have uh, available. So, Chris, the table's yours, man. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, what it, listen, Ryan, thank you. It's a huge honor. And, uh, man, I just thank you for what you're doing and connecting some great leaders together to get to, to have a time, a moment where we can speak life uh, together and do things and hear about and be exposed to things that are going to take us to the next level. And I think anyone who's serious about doing effective ministry knows it's vital to expose yourself to fresh wisdom and strategies and, and uh, revelation that will really be a blessing to, uh, to the whole uh, to, to the body. And so, man, I thank you for making time for this, Ryan. I really honor you for that. Thank you. And it's a huge honor for me to speak on a call to a bunch of my peers. And, and hopefully uh, uh, there's a, a level of courage and understanding that you're going to walk away with. But um, I want to also, I'm a, I believe in huge, uh, I'm a big component of honor. It's a culture that we have here at, uh, at Christ for the Nations and Youth for the Nations. And, and so I want to say thank you to my pastors, pastors Adam and Jane McCain. They're not on the call he would or they would never hear this, but I just think it's important that people know uh, uh, what honor looks like, and at the same time, that's a covering for me. And uh, they watch over our marriage, our finances, our children. I mean, there's not a password that they don't have into our life, uh, anything from social media to accounts to anything. And so uh, I just really appreciate them because without them, uh, there's no way my wife and I could do what we do and, and, and be where we're at. So I just appreciate them. But um, I want to jump right in because I know we have a, 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 a condensed amount of time, and I want to give you as much of this. Like Ryan was saying, a big part of my heart is to raise up leaders and disciplers, not just make disciples, but to raise up others to know how to take spiritual responsibility of someone else and develop them into being a discipler, a small group leader, a leader, a pastor, a a phenomenal parent in the student ministry, whatever it takes to bring that level of discipleship up into people. And all of us know that are on this call uh, that it's not always our favorite part of the job, but it is definitely a massive part of the job, which is confrontation. And I think a lot of us, we're not naturally gifted towards confrontation. We're not like David where he just naturally runs to the battle and, and uh, uh, where he, he hears Goliath and all of a sudden something erupts on the inside of him and he wants to challenge Goliath. We're, we're, we're not like that. Some of us are, you know, we step back a little bit. David's running towards Goliath. We're, we're sitting back cheering him on like, go David. You know, I got, I got some more rocks if you need it. You know, that's, that's kind of how we approach things. Or, or sometimes our approach to confrontation is, you know what, I'm just going to pray for them. I'm going to let the Lord deal with them, and, and uh, we'll just see what happens. And somehow this thing is going to autocorrect and self-correct itself. And, friend, that just never happens. And, and so you've got someone who now, where you could have uh, addressed something at a root, now I've got fruit from a root that has become a pattern. And now they've got a fruitless cycle in their life, and I'm a steward. And, I, you know, uh, Colossians, what is it, Colossians 3, 28, 128, it says, Do everything you can to present every man faultless before Christ, for in so doing you will be judged. In other words, we're held to a greater level uh, of accountability. And so I, if it's my job to lead a generation, then it's also my job not to go on a witch hunt and find out all their weaknesses. That's just going to fall out. But it's my job to call them to their place of greatness and surface their greatness. And uh, I always say this. How you deal with the worst determines if you get the best. Let me say that again. How you deal with the worst determines if you get the best. And so we have people who 
are confrontational, have no problem saying what's on their heart or in their head, but the problem after that is somebody walks away and you blew holes in them. And now you wonder why people uh, uh, don't, they hide their junk from you or they, they're real quiet about what's going on in their life. They don't really bring that forward to you. And that tends to hurt us as pastors because we really want to genuinely care for people, but now we've created a culture where if you fail, I'm going I'm to blow holes in you. If you fail, you're going to be less to me uh, than you were before. And, and that's just not when we are. We want to create the type of level of confrontation where everyone who is in that and has to be corrected walks away feeling the greatness of God in their life. And I'm not just talking about uh, uh, being passive and casual. I'm talking about addressing the true issue uh, uh, that someone is going through and bringing, uh, bringing to the surface the greatness that's on the inside of them. So I want to kind of give you a language for this. But first, let's understand that this is all born in the heart of God. Very few times, or a lot of times, excuse me, God will always put his words in your mouth to, to minister to somebody. He does it when we preach. He does it when we counsel people. He's definitely going to do it when we correct people. And I love this passage in Isaiah 59, verse 21. It says, As for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit who is on you and my words that I have put in your mouth will not depart from your mouth or from the mouths of your children and from the mouths of your descendants from this time on and forever, says the Lord. What is Isaiah saying? He's saying, you are giving your sons and daughters in the Lord an inheritance, and it's not dealing with money, and it's going to show up in culture, the way they do life, and the way they do life around them and under, and under your ministry, and how they talk and how they respond to issues and how they treat each other is based on the words that are spoken over them. So you have to understand here, you know, in the world, in the arena of youth ministry, you're always dealing with some of the same things. Um, whenever I teach on this in a greater expansion, I always ask the, the, the room to give me what are some of the top things that you are having to deal with and correct. And you hear things like uh, uh, laziness, disunity, irresponsible, confusion, uh, excuse-making, dishonor, all those things. And God, believe it or not, has put words in our mouth already or will, words of purpose and words of covenant, words of power, and they're going to show up in the people's lives as we deliver them to the people. And I'm, this is an old saying. I want to say that Jeannie Mayo started this, but it could be somebody else. But more is caught than taught. More is caught by your words. So when you speak, you are pushing wind over your vocal cords. You are speaking to a heart, to a spirit. You have to be careful because what happens is what I find with most young leaders is they want compliance with the people that they're leading. But obedience, let me tell you, obedience is not the most, impart, most important part of a relationship. The connection is. I'm going to say that one more time. Obedience is not the most important part of the relationship. The connection is. Because if I have a strong connection with somebody, then when I, when I correct them, there's going to be obedience that floods out of that. Or if I have a strong connection with somebody, that they will not do something in disobedience that will interrupt the connection that we have together. So if I have a father-son relationship, I'm going to put a great demand on them. And I, want, I don't want obedience. I want a strong connection with you because if I have that, then I know obedience is going to be right to follow. Now, I need you to control you. Your 50% of this relationship while I control my 50% and we have a strong connection. As I lead you, I need you to stay close. I need you to hold my heart in the right place. I need you to, to guard what's important. I, I need you to, to, to conduct your life in a way that won't interrupt our relationship and our connection because I, I don't want 
uh, I don't want ever for you to misinterpret what I'm trying to do uh, in your life. And so we have to understand there is a language to this. I, I like Proverbs 12:16. It says, "A fool shows his annoyance at once, but a prudent man overlooks an insult." Prudent meaning, prudent means this: to show great care and concern about the future. So a prudent man who's just been insulted will overlook one because he's showing great care about the future. In other words, when one of my guys messes up or one of our spiritual daughters messes up, I'm going to overlook maybe the insult of it because I care about the connection. I'm still going to address the problem. I'm still going to address the disobedience or the rebellion or whatever it might be. But I am so careful with how I, 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 uh, I protect the connection. A lot of times we have co- confronted people. And if we're honest, the reason why that student isn't coming back is we were too strong with them or we moved too fast with them or we took out too much on them and we got too quick and we didn't overlook the insult of their dysfunction and their insult of immaturity. Even though I'm the mature one, I need to be able to overlook that so I don't lose the relationship. I don't lose the connection I have with people. And so every, every Christian, people, but especially Christians, come with a big red button and, 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 and that button is just kind of like once that, that kid, you all know exactly what I'm talking about, that kid, uh, 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 I'm talking about that kid that's like one M&M away from going overboard. That, that kid you're convinced has seven demons in him. You, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm talking about that kid. You have that kid. That kid knows how to push that button. And so you've got to have a plan. When you're coming up with a language for confrontation, you've got to have a plan. Let me give you four things you need to have. Number one, you need to have a, pa- a plan. Number two... You need to respond and don't react. Respond and don't react. I know that many times we're living in moment to moment and we're having to, uh, um, having to confront things uh, as they happen, but you can still give a calculated, thought-out, prepared response instead of reacting and taking your own emotional bath. Here's an, a third one. Have a language, which I'm about to give you that. But the fourth one is this. This is crucial, is be consistent. If you're going to be powerful, uh, then you need, if you're going to act powerful, then you need to be powerful. And so you have to have a new level uh, of understanding when it comes. I, my job as a pastor is to deal sometimes with the worst of the worst in people is to deal with the dark corners of their life. It's to deal with the locked rooms and, and the shortcomings and the weaknesses and, and, and the wickedness and the rebellion in people's lives. I'm, I have to deal with that too, just like I would want to deal with all their potential and prophetic promise and the supernatural call on their God, the claims that God has on their life for the, for the future. I want to deal with that, but I also got to deal with this too. So before we do this, I, I always tell people, I, I, I'm a gold digger. I'm, a, I'm totally a gold digger. What I mean by that is I know there's gold inside of every person because the Lord himself has placed it there. But I've got to go through a lot of dirt to get to the gold. But my focus is never the dirt. It is always the gold. I am going to dig for gold as deep and as long as I need to because I know it's there. I've just got to find it. But I've got to go through a lot of dirt, a lot of junk, a lot of weakness, a, a, a lot of brokenness, a lot of pain, a, a lot of low standards, and, and all this other junk that comes in people's lives. I've got to go through that to get to the gold. But my focus should never be the dirt. It should always be the gold. So let me give you some language here. I'm going to give you some verbiage, some language on, on, on some certain things. Here's what I get asked a lot. How do I initiate a confrontation? How do I initiate a confrontation? Well, here's, a first, here's something I always start off with. Help me understand. Because listen, at the end of the day, that's what I want to do. 
I want to understand. Now, I've seen confrontation uh, uh, started the wrong way. Let me give you an example the wrong way. What's your problem? You know, that's definitely a wrong way. Are you an idiot or something? That's probably not going to call the greatness of God out of somebody. What are you thinking? That's stupid. Didn't, I tell you, didn't you hear what I preached last week? That's definitely not good confrontation. That's, we're not starting off right there. Confrontation is very delicate because you've got somebody who is in unpredictable situations. If you don't know them well enough, maybe this is the first time you've ever had to bring some correction to somebody's life. And you've got to, you, you've got to have a, a, a place in your heart you want to understand. So when I have to confront people on my staff, in our ministry, uh, on our team, whatever it might be, help me understand. That's what I want to Help me understand. Galatians uh, 6 verse 1 says, My brethren, if any one of you is caught in a trespass, you who are spiritual, go and restore one in a spirit of, in this word, gentleness. In a spirit of gentleness. Now, we have seen a lot of confrontation done with a spirit of harshness, a, 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 a spirit of dominance. But he's talking about have the attitude, the heart, the lifestyle where you can be gentle and still correct people. Galatians 6.1. So help me understand. Hey, listen, help, help me understand why we got this problem going on. Or help me understand why I heard about your, your parents called me and this is going on in your life. Or help me understand why I saw you disrespect one of our leaders like this. Help me. What's going on? Help me understand. Or here's another one. Hey, I need your help with something. Let's say you saw something in the moment and uh, you got a kid that's dropping F-bombs, all kinds of crazy in the lobby or whatever else. Uh, hey, I need your help with something. Uh, uh, we don't subscribe to that kind of language here. Can I get your help with not doing that? I need your help with something. Or here's another one. Here's another way uh, you can start a confrontation. Hey, I'm confused, and I need you to clear something up for me. Hey, I'm confused about a couple of things, and I need you to clear something up. Is it true that you've been sleeping with this person? Or is it true that you've been, you're back on, on sucking on that crack pipe? Or is it true that you were throwing you know, like a three-kegger at your, at your family's house this morning? I need your help with something. Because here's what I've heard, and I need you to confirm. I'm confused, and I need you to clear something up. These, this is great ways. And, and listen, it's, I'm not saying that confrontation is fun, uh, uh, but eventually when you get good at it and you have the heart of God, it becomes to this little place of you're excited because now you've got a growth journey for somebody. Now, as you, um, as you begin the confrontation, especially working with teenagers, you know that teenagers will say stuff to you that you aren't ready for. They'll pop off stuff on you so fast you didn't even know that was going to happen. I mean, they say things that you, it's offensive or they try to hurt you or uh, uh, distract from the subject, but here's five one-liners that you can use uh, uh, in keeping your sanity no matter what people say or do, and you can keep on the track of finding the gold. Even though you have, you're going through a lot of dirt, you want to stay on track because a lot of confrontations get dismantled, if not distracted, from what the real problem is because the person who's doing the confronting got too easily offended. Again, they weren't prudent. They didn't overlook an insult of immaturity. Let me give you five one-liners, all right? And you need to remember these because I'm telling you, these will change the game in the way that you deal with people and lead people and confront and correct. All right, the first one, this is how it goes. Number one, I know, probably so, that could be, I don't know, nice try. I know, probably so, that could be, I don't know, nice try. These one-liners disarm that big red button I was talking about earlier so that you don't go and take an emotional bath while somebody else is having a dysfunctive moment. You're not going to have dysfunction in your life. You say, well, how, how does this work? I know, probably so, that could be, 
I don't know, nice try. Hey, I need your help with something. I, I, need, you to, I need you to, to not do that, whatever that is. I need you to not do that. Well, so-and-so said we could. I know, but I need you to not do that. Well, that, that's not fair. Probably so, but I need you to not do that. Well, I, I, I've done this a hundred times. That could be, but I need you to not do that. Well, well what's your problem? I, I can't see why we can't do this. Listen, I know, but I need you to go through this. I need you to listen. I need you to uh, trust me. I need fill in the blanks. These are all with that. You know, people are saying, well, what's your problem? I don't know. But what I need from you right now is I need you to not do that. Well, this is stupid. Nice try. But I need your help with something. Well, I think this is dumb. I'm never coming back to this youth ministry. Probably so, but you're here now, and I need your help with something. These one-liners will help reinforce. Uh, basically, these one-liners, uh, I like to say, keep you like a cloud. In, in a cloud, you can never hit a cloud. You can't take a chunk out of a cloud. You can't do any of that. You ever tried to punch a cloud? You didn't hit anything. You, you, a cloud is a cloud, and a cloud's going to be a cloud at the end of the day. You've got to be that light on your feet and that full of God's uh, heart inside of you that you can be able to, to, to move on from people's dysfunction so that you can bring a language of empowerment. And that's what I want to get to next is, is give you some things that, that will help you. Now, when I say a language of empowerment, I'm not talking about a language that shuts people down and shuts people up. That's, that's not what I'm trying to do here. What I'm trying to confront is I want to understand I want to unearth some of these ungodly roots in your life because we spend a lot of time as mentors, as leaders, as pastors, we spend a lot of time trying to fix the fruit when really the problem is in the roots. And if you fix the roots, then you're going to get different fruit. We want to have a language of empowerment, not condemning, not harshness, not a spirit of being right. I just, I'm, I'm right. You need to understand that I'm right. That's not what we want to do. Colossians 3.21 says, Fathers... Do not aggravate your children or they will become discouraged. I don't ever want to have my life be a discouragement for somebody else. I'm sorry, I just don't want that. So Colossians is basically telling us as parents, as leaders, as mentors, as pastors, as people of influence, to not push people past their point of self-control. Self-control is what I need. Remember the connection part? I need you to control yourself as I am going to bring you through this journey of correction and I'm going to build you, but I've I got to tear some things down to build you up a little bit. I've got to cut some things away to prune away some things so that I can have some proper growth in your life. I'm asking you to control yourself. I will control me. I want you to control you. But the moment that you stop, start being out of control, then what I'm going to have to do is push back. And now we've got uh, push back in the place of I can't have a strong connection with you because you're out of control. And I need you to be a self-controlled individual. We are trying to train them to control themselves by giving them a model of a self-controlled adult. Through self-control, we control on our, our half of the relationship, and they learn to carry their half. So let me give you some, some language behind confrontation. You know, you probably have been in this situation, maybe at an altar call or someone comes in your office or they want to meet with you for coffee, and they come up with something crazy that's going on in their life, and they're like, man... I got this big problem. Man, I'm addicted to pornography. I just don't. I, I, I'm addicted to porn. My response, this is my response. Let me give you a new skill here. I'm just going to give you several new responses here. My response to anything like that, I'm addicted to porn. I messed up big. I got this attitude issue. Oh, I got this cycle in my life. and I'm trying to break this pattern. I, I'm, a, I'm addicted to porn. My response is simply, oh, man. 
Oh, no. Ouch. And that's it. Oh, oh no. Mmm. Man. Man, that sucks. This means here comes the consequence. Oh, man. Oh, no. This could hurt like crazy, but I believe in you, and I know you're going to learn a valuable lesson about life right here. Please know how much I love you while, I walk you through, while we walk through this together. Pastor Chris, I'm addicted to porn. Oh, man. Bro. Girl. Pastor Chris, I don't know what it is. I can't stop gossiping. Oh. Oh, no. Pastor Chris, I'm pregnant. Wow. Whoa. Oh, man. Right? Pastor Chris, I can't hear from God like I used to. Ouch, bro. Been there. Why, why, why is this? Because what happens is, especially with a weak leader, this is what I find with most, especially young leaders, is that we try to own our people's problems, and we weren't built for that. Problems have one owner. Unless you're married, they have one owner. And people will always try to get you to own their problem by sharing it with you and going, man, you know, I got this mess, and I need you to help me clean up this mess. Listen, I'm not the one that's addicted to porn. I- I'm not the one that needs to stop gossiping. I'm not the one that's pregnant. I'm definitely not the one who's not hearing from God. Oh, no, this isn't, this isn't my problem. This is your problem. So as soon as I say, oh, no, I follow up with a long pause, and then I ask this question. This is another new skill. All right? Someone pops off something on you. Oh, I don't know. Oh, no. I got this, or, I got this problem going on. Oh, no. And then that's what I ask. What are you going to do? Okay? What are you going to do? Because I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem. I'm doing good. I'm not coming to you with my problem. I'm doing great. I'm great. What I see here is there's a problem here. So, and I see, a, I see an owner with a problem. And I'm going to help this owner solve this problem. So what are you going to do. What this means is you have the power to solve your life's problems. I believe in you and will help you after you start working to take care of your own issues. All right. So let me give you let me give you a, a quick story on this. All right. Just using these two and there's there's more and I'm gonna try and get to it right as, as, as best I can. But um, I had this kid who when we were teaching this material right here and the whole material, it's called Limitless Influence, we taught it first as a parenting class and now we use it as discipleship and leadership building, that kind of stuff. Um, But I had this couple that came up to me because they had a kid that was in my youth ministry and his name was Landon. And uh, Landon... Uh, Landon's problem wasn't that he was not he was a great son, he uh, had a great attitude, but La- Landon struggled with laziness and uh, being punctual. That was Landon's problem. And so what happened was his parents had to leave the house at a certain time every morning, and if they didn't leave by this time, they both would be late to their jobs. And the reason why they struggled with leaving on time was because Landon wouldn't get himself out of bed. He wouldn't wake up. They could even drag the kid out of bed, and the kid would just go fall asleep on the couch or lay down on the floor. He just... You just had a struggle with that. And so he had, been le- he had been late or missed school so many different times that if he missed one more time, he was in truancy court and he was looking at lose- losing a loss of credit for the semester. So his parents come to me and they said, we have tried everything and we, we realize that we're the ones doing all the thinking and all the management and we're not letting Landon own this issue. And there's going to come a day where he's going to grow older as, and be a man and he's going to have to get his own butt out of bed and go to a job. He's going to have to get his own self up and get his life's responsibilities done or whatever uh, else may be. And we're not, we need some help. So I offered to help. 
And, and, and this is where I think problems become fun because once you have done this long enough or you've dealt with a lot of confrontation or a lot of issues, uh, I'm telling you, you kind of have a strategy towards it when, with, coupled with the heart of God. So I told them, I said, do you trust me? And they said, yes, we trust you. I said, listen, this is what I want you to do. Tomorrow, I want you to do what you normally do. If he doesn't get up, I want you to just tell him, hey, Pastor Chris said that if, we don't, if you don't make it out by the time we're leaving to just call him. Now, I want to make sure, parents, you trust me, right? They said, yes, we trust you. I said, no matter what, I'm not going to, I promise no harm will come to your kid. Do you trust me? They said, yes, we trust you. I said, okay. Sure enough, the next morning, these parents wake their son up. He won't get up, does the same thing he's always done. They said, listen, we got to leave. We're not going to be late to work. So you need to call, Pastor Chris said, to call him if, to call him if we leave you here. So you need to call him. So they leave. And I'm just sitting down. I'm having, it's a nice day. I mean, this is, I think this was like a, a Friday morning, which was my day off. Um, I'm thinking about hanging out with my wife, my newborn son at this time. This is my first of four kids that we have. Uh, I'm thinking, man, I'm just going to have a wonderful day. And sure enough, I remember there is a possibility that Landon's going to call me. So it's right about 7.55, 8 o'clock, and school starts about 8.15, 8.20, and Landon lives about two blocks away from me. And so he calls me, and this is what he does. Total teenager, right? This is what he does. Hey, I, I said, he calls me, and I pick up the phone. Hey, Landon, what's going on? Hey, Pastor Chris, what's going on? I said, nothing, man. I'm about to get, man, we have a great day. It's my day off. I'm going to go out. I'm going to enjoy my, my time with my wife, my, uh, my Erica, and my son, Elisha. We're going to have a great day. He's like, yeah, that sounds great. Listen, my parents told me that uh, I needed to call you because uh, I'm late. I'm like, oh, no. You're late? Yeah, yeah, I'm totally late. And, you know, if I'm late again, I'm going to end up in truancy court. Oh, bro, truancy court. Oh, man. I hope you see what I'm doing here with the skill. Oh, bro, that's awful. Yeah, man, I, you know, I can't afford to be late. Yeah, totally, man. Ouch. Wow. And I just let a long pause because I'm trying to get you to recognize you got to fix your problem. And I'm not going to offer help. You need to ask for help. So, He's, it gets long, and he's like, it's a long pause. Nobody says nothing. I'm sitting down at my kitchen table. I think I'm eating, I don't know, breakfast. And uh, finally, about a few, few long seconds later, he goes, do you think you can give me a ride? I said, sure, no problem. I have no problem giving you a ride. Oh, great. I said, and this is what I said, I only charge $20 a ride. He says, what do you mean $20 a ride? I said, yeah, $20 a ride. And, uh, man, I'll get you to school, man. You don't want to be late. Truancy court, you know what I'm saying? You don't want to get kicked out of school? Well, yeah. So, so you got $20? Well, yeah, I got $20, but I'm going to save that $20 for this weekend. So you have $20 then, Landon. Well, yeah, I have $20. Great. What time do you want me to pick you up? Well, well, can you come now? Sure. So I pull up to his house. You know, I, 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 I call him. I say, hey, Landon, I'm here. Come on out. And I, I lock the door right as he's about to open the door. I lock the door, and I, 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 I kid you not, I put a little hole in the window and uh, – and, uh, and I said, hey, man, money first, money first. This ain't Uber, money first, right? And so, uh, uh, so he slides the $20 bill. I get off, hey, man, listen, this is your ride. You tell me what kind of music you want to listen to, what temperature you want it. You want the windows up or down? You want the seat this far forward? You want the seat to lean back a little bit? What route do you want me to take this? He's like, man, I just need to get there. So we get him there. He gets there in time. And that following Monday, again, school starts, same thing happens. The parents called me on Sunday night. They said, we heard what you did. I said, yeah. And I said, do you trust me? They said, no, no, we trust you. Keep doing what you're doing. It, it, it got to them. 
because Landon was going to use that money to go out, and he couldn't, didn't have any money to go out that weekend. And he's thinking, man, I waste all my $20 for being late. So now Monday morning comes. Landon calls me. Says, man, I'm, I slept in again. Oh, slept in. Oh, no, man. Man, I got, you know, I got some stuff I, I got to be there for, and I can't be late, Pastor Chris. I'm going I'm to truancy court. Oh, bro, ouch, truancy court. Yeah, I don't want you to end up there. Oh, no. And I get a long pause again. And then he says, so can you take me to school again? I said, sure, no problem. I can totally take you to school. I only charge $30 for the second ride. He's like, well, it was $20 on Friday. I said, yeah, I know, but, you know, gas prices being what they are and then my time and, you know, I'm gonna, I, I want to take Erica out to another lunch or whatever and I, I want to eat Chipotle and, you know, Chipotle ain't cheap anymore, all that organic food, you know what I'm saying? So, listen, I, it's going to be $30. $30? What the, that's all I got in, 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 in change. And, and I said, well, then you have $30. And he's like, well, yeah. I said, well, great, I'll pick you up. Sure enough, same thing. Call him, tell him in front of his house. He walks out. I... I, I, I I uh, lower the window, just I crack the window just a little bit. I kid you not, this kid was still half asleep. He went and gathered $30, but he put it in a sock. He didn't even put it in a nat- like a bag, like a plastic sandwich bag or something. He put it in a sock, and so I had to lower the window just a little bit more. So he gives it over there, and I, ki- I count all that. Ch- it was all changed, quarters, nickels, pennies, dimes, all that kind of stuff. I'm counting that, and he's like knocking on, Pastor Chris, I've got to hurry. Hey, man, i just got to make sure I'm getting my money, all right? Just sit tight for a second, because I know how you teenagers be working. You say, oh, this is $30, and then you're shorting me $2. So I counted this out in front of him. He is panicking. I'm telling you, he is absolutely panicking. Please, please, I don't want to be late. I don't want to be late. So finally, I get to the $30, put it back in the sock, get them in there. Same thing, man. What, what route you want to take? What music you want to listen to? You want the windows up or down? You want the seat forward or back? How do you want to get there? Which, which, now just get me there. So I get them there. He gets there barely in time. Guess who was never late again to school? Landon. Even to this day, he, Landon still texts me and tells me, I will never forget this lesson. It cost me $50 to understand that I need to be on time. I, I stopped being. He was never late for school. And all I did was use, start out with confrontation in two ways. Oh, no. Oh, man. Ouch. And what are you going to do? Because now you've got to figure this out. This is the point I'm trying to make is if we're the ones who are doing all of the teaching and leading, then nobody else is doing some of the learning. And we've got to have a young generation that knows how to take responsibility. Because I love young people. I really do. But... And, I'm, and I mean this. I mean this in the most honorable, respectful way, so I don't want you to hear this wrong about my heart for young people. But I love young people, but this is the laziest group of people I have ever seen in my life. I mean, they, they have excuses for everything, and we've got to be the type of people that have enough wisdom uh, that, have, uh, that, that have the heart of God to call them to greatness and spiritual responsibility. Let me give you some other ones here. When I, when, when I, you know, you may have noticed something I said to Landon while I was in there. I said, uh, no problem. No problem. I can pick you up. I only charge this much. No problem. When I use that kind of language now, especially around my office or our leaders or that kind of stuff, whether it's me or somebody else, no problem means this. No problem here, but possible problem for you. No problem here, but possible problem for you. And I think this is important because I'm not trying to problem-proof your life. I'm trying to put wisdom around your life. I'm not trying to pain-proof your life. I'm trying to put faith around your life, strength around your life. 
Uh, and I think it's a weak leader that tries to tell people, oh, this is how you do this and all that kind of stuff. And all you're doing is you're taking away all the responsibility that they need to grow up in that many of us got, but a lot of us didn't, are not giving. And so we've got to be better at that. Here's another skill, especially like when you have a kid that's just, you know, they're out of control or, they, you know, they got a, you know, they got, I don't know, an attitude issue or a problem. A lot of things, one thing we would always say is, hey, you cool or you need to go home? I'm going to give you the choice. You're going to have the self-controlled choice. You can be cool and stay here or you need to go home. You ever had that problem during service or maybe that kid before service or on an outreach or an event or something? Hey, bro, you good? You call or you need to go home or you need to take a break? What this means is I require something from you to be around us, our culture, or me for very long, and it's called self-control. And because we have a strong connection, I can put a demand on our relationship. This is important because we have to give people over to a place that they are going to grow without us as pastors and leaders. Uh, some of the most draining times in ministry was when I created these codependent disciples. Let me tell you what codependency looks like. When I start to work on someone else's life more than they're working on their life, that you're, you're in danger of creating codependent people. If I want change more for your life, then you are even willing to work on it. That's codependency. And we've got to be careful that we don't do that with people. So these are great things. The how to initiate a confrontation, the five one-liners, uh, uh, the, the, the new skill levels as far as, oh, no, oh, man, out, or oh, no, what are you going to do? Uh, even the no problem, no pro- hey, no problem. Like when my kids, when they hear me say no problem, hey, guys, I need you to help clean this room up. No, Dad, we're going to be busy. We're going to do this. Hey, no problem. Wait, wait, wait. We got it. We got it. They know. They know. No problem here, but possible problem for you. Normally what happens, at least in our house, when my kids, they've got a room full of toys or something, that, you know, they've got a dirty room or something. Hey, guys, I need this room clean. It needs to be cleaned in the next 15 minutes, all right? All right, Dad. Nothing happens. Hey, is that room clean? Well, Dad, we're not done playing. That's not what I asked. Is that room clean? Well, Dad, hey, no problem, guys. What normally happens is I'll go in there and clean it, but now because I did some, one of your chores, you're going to have to do one of mine. And they don't like doing some of the stuff I do because it requires carrying heavy things and doing stuff. But no problem. No problem here. Possible problem for you. So now that we have a strong connection, when I say no problem, when, when, like even my three-year-old daughter, Carissa, when I tell her, hey, Rissy, I need you to get your babies and get your dolls up off the floor because I, 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 want, I want this room clean. Uh, Daddy, I just don't want to. Hey, no problem. Oh, no, Dad, I got it. I got it, Dad. I'm telling you, it works. It absolutely works. But it, it works when you're consistent. Remember what I told you at the very beginning. If you're going to act powerful, you need to be powerful. I'm not asking you to be big and bad. I'm not asking you to be intimidating. I'm asking you to be powerful. Powerful enough to let people learn by you guiding them and not solving all of their problems. Man, I just want to take a moment and pray, and I know we've got some questions, and, and uh, this is like a crash course on actually a college-level course that I teach here at Christ of the Nations Institute. And, uh, and so basically what I just gave you, it takes me about a, a week or two to explain in, in, in math, and I try to do it in 30 minutes. So hopefully I did a good enough job. If not, you can hate on me online. So, uh, but I, I just want to pray over us because I feel like the Lord has given us key people in our ministries. We don't know who's in there. We don't know what the next president, we don't know the next influential voice, the next pop icon. We, we don't know who's under our care right now, under our stewardship. 
And in order for them to have longevity in the area of their spiritual life and walking with the Lord, I'm going to have to develop. I'm going to have to develop them early into understanding responsibility and spiritual maturity and getting over some of the weaknesses in their life and moving past some of the pain or the issues or the things that they're drowning in. I got to do that now while they're young because in the, in their twenties and in their thirties they may not they'll be so busy they may not have enough time to do that. And, uh, and that's sad. That's the culture we live in, but we don't want that. Let it, let it not be said of us as men and women who are leading this generation. Let it not be said that we were careless with our time and our influence and our words. So, Father, I thank you for every man and woman that's here. You said in uh, 2 Corinthians 3.17, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom, which tells us that you could have chose anything else to put in that verse. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's blessing. Or the Spirit of the Lord, there's peace. Lord, you chose to describe what it's like when you are in a room or you're working in someone's life. Where you're at, freedom is there. So, Lord, I'm asking that you would give us the kind of language that increases the levels of freedom in people's life. Not a sloppy freedom, God, that leaves leaves them with low standards, loose morals, and, and a carnal Christianity. But I'm talking about a precious freedom that's so valuable to them that they wouldn't waste it on a drunkenness or a weekend or a momentary pleasure or a pattern or a sinful lifestyle. But, Lord, they would totally develop themselves into remaining free in everything they do. Lord, I thank you that you're going to give every man and woman on this call, you're going to give them the language of, of, of freedom, the language to give themselves over to a place of, I'm going to steward you right by developing you to be a responsible adult even though you're 12, 13, 14, even though you're a teenager. And I ask that you would let us have a spirit of gentleness. If we've had a spirit of harshness or maybe we've just been frustrated because we've been laboring so long with that one kid and that one family, God. Lord, I pray for a fresh uh, uh, encounter with your courage and your love to just disperse itself all over our life and draw to the surface the greatness that's in us, that we can put words of greatness in others. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. I'm going to pass it back over to you, Ryan. Man, Chris, that was that was fantastic. That was fantastic. Uh, you guys, go ahead and hit star six if you got a question. Go ahead and hit star six if you got a question. But uh, I'll get it started for us. Uh, Chris, that was, that was incredible. I, every time I hear this teaching, I just take something new away from it, and it's uh, encouraging, it's inspiring, it's definitely challenging. Um, and I want to talk about this, assumptions. Mm-hmm. Assumptions are huge, right? And yeah. I think the longer we're in ministry, the easier, the quicker it is to jump to assumptions and conclusions because we've kind of seen it all, heard it all before type situations. So how do you avoid assumptions? Um, you know what? I'm, I'm, we avoid assumptions by gathering facts. And, you know, when, whenever I have somebody, like if someone brings a report uh, of a leader that's in my youth ministry or even in the body of Christ, I, I want to know facts. I want to know what's factual out there. Because there have been times where I have mishandled a situation because what I thought, what looked like it was, wasn't really what it was. And then I damaged a relationship because I, I assumed that they were struggling with this or I assumed that they had a pattern of this. And I think, honestly, it's a lack of humility when we start uh, going on with the, uh, assumptions. Uh, we get prideful because we think we've been doing it long enough. Therefore, I can call it what it is because of, I can just gain out of experience. But you just can't. 
You, you really can't. And so I think gathering facts and I think staying humble will have you not live in the place of, uh, uh, of assumptions, but you're going to live in the land of facts, and you're going to be able to address real issues that are there instead of what you think might be there. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, I, think, it's, uh, I think it's always good to hear, but, man, hard to do. Um, especially when I think it, the pace of ministry picks up and it's so fast and there's all you know five kids coming to you all the time and with this and that and and, and uh, it's it's hard to to give people that amount of time. I think that that's one of the big things that I, I think um, I would want to say about all of this is a lot of what you're talking about takes time. Yes, yes, and I think um, it develops. You know, I definitely. I may, I, and I teach this stuff, and there's still times I have to go back and go, man, I've got to work on that. Or, you know, my wife, she's, she's so faithful to point out, hey, you, you, you're getting weak in this area. And I, I've seen you stronger. I want you to step up and be better. Uh, and I think we all need that kind of stuff. And, again, I think it takes humility to, to not live in assumptions. Um, humility means this. In its truest form, it means to, to rely on God's abilities more than your own abilities. That's humility. And uh, a lot of people think humility is to be pious and shy and that kind of stuff and not outspoken. That's not true. Some of the most outspoken people uh, in the Bible uh, were humble people. You know, uh, when David shows up and talks trash about um, <clears throat> Goliath, he says, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine talking trash to the armies of the living God? And his, one of his older brothers says, You arrogant, prideful little brat, basically. And really, who was the prideful one? I mean, the, the oldest one just got rejected by the prophet, and uh, the only person, uh, because God said, I've rejected the oldest one. The only person, reason God rejects someone is because of pride. And so humility will have you live in facts. And you just never want to overstep your boundaries, but it does take time, especially when you're learning skills like this. It takes a lot of practice. It's, it's why we call it a language, the language of a mentor, because just like when you learn a new language, it takes you some time to learn it, you know, um, when you learn a new language, um, you, you know, like for me, English is my first language, even though I'm Hispanic, English is my first language, but to speak Spanish, I stutter, uh, I kind of get hung up on words or verbs or that kind of stuff to be able to fully articulate, what's the same way, you're going to try and do some of these or maybe, I, know, I, I don't know, maybe somebody has limitless influence and they've heard the whole curriculum. Um, it, it does take some time. This is not stuff that I've just been using recently. Eric and I have been doing this, gosh, 10, 12 years now. So it's, a, it's a, almost a second language for us, but even then we still have to live with facts. So I hope that, I hope that expounds a little bit more on it. Yeah, it, it, it really does. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, the circle and some of the resources that you've got available. I know you've got lots of resources on your website, things like that. Just uh, share a little bit about that if you can. Sure, yeah. Well, <clears throat> I can tell you what we talked about today comes out of a resource called Limitless Influence. And really the, the, the flagship scripture of the whole thing is, is what I said, Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And this is a curriculum that we have been using for many, many years and even teach it here now on a college level uh, because we want to create a language of freedom that's going to build limitless influence inside of people. And so we have a whole resource for that, and then you can go on our website and look at different things from curriculums to sermon series, all that kind of stuff. That's all on our website. 
Um, but one thing I'm really excited about, which is what I love what Ryan, you're doing here, is, is something I think that God's just broadcasting around the planet is, uh, is, is helping come alongside leaders to really build some strength, some strategy, not just for ministerial growth and to see numerical growth in their, in their ministries, but also to see personal growth. Um, you know, there's that old saying, healthy things grow. We really focus on developing uh, the great leader on the inside of you so that when you, uh, if you're healthy, your ministry will be healthy. Healthy things grow. And, um, and so we take 12 months. Uh, it's a leadership character intensive to really develop you in areas uh, like personal dis- discipleship, the discipline, a supernatural lifestyle, because that's really... Uh, and Ryan knows this, but that's really a big piece of, of our story is, is releasing the supernatural power of God. And I'm not talking about spooky. I'm not talking about weird. But I'm talking about legitimate watching young people, 13-year-olds prophesy and 14-year-olds heal the sick and 15-year-olds give words of knowledge in their classroom. And we were having this on public school, private school, everywhere. I mean, I would get calls from assistant principals and stuff being like, can you come down and just speak to this class because one of your kids got up and prophesied and half of them fell out and the other half started crying the other half don't know what's going on. That That's what happened all the time right here in our, in, in our region. And so we, we love that journey, but I realized quickly that I was learning by a lot of hard knocks as well, and I told myself if I ever got to the place where I could, I would give back to practical, pragmatics, how-tos, what-to-dos when it came to developing a leader. And so we do everything from like calls just like this one to giving you monthly resources to the archive of our resources. We do twice a year, we do a gathering uh, in our home where you come in and, and uh, it's just you uh, and a few other leaders from around the nation and some parts of the world, and any voices we choose to fly in just to come minister to you while you're in our living room. And for two days, we're just pumping you full of vision and courage and strategy and wisdom. We're praying and we're seeing things. And, and I love it. You know, uh, when we first started the circle, uh, actually uh, a good friend of ours is Jeannie Mayo. And Jeannie, who's just a mother to everybody who meets her, she's super incredible, um, you know, through a, through a Long, make a long story short, uh, I had something swirling in my heart to do something like this. And one thing that Jeannie said to me when we started it was, we need more things just like this to help develop leaders. And uh, knowing that to be so true, this is why we started the journey. And now we've been doing it for several years now. We've got leaders from all over the country, again, some parts of the world. And uh, in fact, in three weeks, they're going to be over at my house. It's going to be a party. I'm real excited. We've got some key voices coming in to minister to them. It's just fun to watch God expose these leaders to uh, a next level of wisdom and strategy and, and hear from other people. So uh, I love the journey. I love it. I really do. If you're interested, you can go to our website and check it out, chrisestrada.tv, and click on the circle. Awesome. i got one more for you, man. We'll end it with this one. Who, who are some people that have shaped and influenced your life and what what they leave in you? Yeah, that's a man. That's a loaded question, but um, <clears throat> I get asked that a lot just because I think it's a great question. But uh, I think the first person that really uh, developed me uh, as a, I think as a husband um, was probably my uh, my my pastor that I first uh, like served under. His name was Pastor Kevin Eldridge. Phenomenal leader, great pastor. One of the best pastors I've ever seen in my life, and, and I'm in a lot of churches and a lot of conferences, but his, his genuineness and 
authenticity was just so appreciated. But he really taught me a lot when it came to being a husband. And I'm not talking about just how to love my wife, but how to provide. I mean, he was a business owner uh, before and, and taught me a lot about finances, stocks, investments, properties, different stuff like that. Um, and so I brought that into my life and, and thank the Lord we've seen a lot of growth in that. Um, but as far as like as a, as a leader, um, definitely Pastor Adam McCain, um, who is my pastor now, uh, Banning Liebscher. I don't know if you guys know who Banning is. Well, I think you know, Ryan. I think you know Banning. Um, yeah. Banning's a great friend and has always been like this older brother. Um, a lot of, but a lot of unsung heroes that aren't necessarily on, you know, in conferences. Like, I got an 80-year-old man in my life. His name is Dean Eldridge. And uh, Dean has probably taught me more about prayer than anybody. And I've been around the greats. Lou Engle, Dutch Sheets, uh, uh, George Wood. I mean, all these great men. I, I've been around a lot of them. We get a lot of those people that come through here. The, the Bethel crowd, the, uh, the IHOP crowd. We love everybody around here. But... Um, truthfully, Dean has just taught me more about seeking and being intentional. And he's a real estate developer. And uh, so, that you know, just those type of people in my life. And, of course, I think the chief person that's just blessed my life the most is my wife. And, and that's not cliche, but she's been such a rock for me in some of the greatest times and, and such a source for me in some of the, the hardest times. So I just truly appreciate So these are just, I mean, it takes a village, right, to, to develop a good leader. But... Um, these are just some of the key people in my life. Chris, that's that's amazing, man. So thankful for your time, and uh, I, I highly want to encourage all, everyone listening to uh, the call and the podcast, I mean, go on his website, get some of his resources. We use them here with our students, and uh, uh, they are just a, such a blessing and, and so good. And what I love about Chris, one thing I love about you is you really are uh, – just a, such a great leader in the the realm of prophecy and healing and all that that realm, but also you're very um, much astute in in practical uh, like a teaching like you gave us today, and so you've got a real good balance of kind of living in both of those worlds, in, in, if you could say that, you know, and. Um, it's it's just really been inspiring to watch you and, and be around you as you lead um, in such a powerful way in the business world, in the church world, um, at the college level, and just in so many spheres of influence. Uh, and you're just a, a, a great inspiration for us, man. And so I thank you so thank much you for your time. And, uh, man, looking forward to all that God's got, got for you. Um, so just want to encourage all of you guys to go. Spend some time uh, on his website, get some of the resources, and be there. Just a reminder, guys, next month we've got uh, Nate Yeski. He's going to be talking to us about how to grow for a lifetime, how to consistently grow throughout your lifetime. Go visit uh, Church Hustle. Use the, the code YPRT for a half-off discount on their monthly resources. Go on to Grow More. YMU.com and use the code GROUP and get uh, 50% off of Kevin Moore's resources there. And as well, you can visit uh, our website to get information about that discount for the City Center missions trip. And uh, we'd love to get you guys connected on some free resources and discounts. So love to see you guys next month. And so excited for all that God is doing in your, your youth ministry. Uh, thanks, guys, so much for, for joining us. We'll talk to you guys soon.